Well, good evening, everybody. Good evening, everyone. We are your hosts, Ariana Lingowski and, and Bridget Lingowski. And tonight on Adaptations Electric, episode one, we will be discussing the short story written by Washington Irving, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Ooh. <laughs> And the 1999 film directed by Tim Burton, Sleepy Hollow. So, Bridget, you did not read the short story, so you have a fresh perspective on the film. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, as a completely fresh perspective, one who has not read the short story nor heard very much about it in general... I found myself really enjoying the things in the movie I did not expect, in particular, the humor. The humor was fantastic. That gothic humor, you gotta love it. Yeah, you gotta love it, you know? And, I mean, I could tell you the moment I first knew I was gonna like the movie was when he started shaking. <laughs> he started shaking the teacup. Yeah, the teacup. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good part. So any of you listeners out there, go ahead and watch Sleepy Hollow the movie. You'll fall in love with it during the teacup scene. I guarantee it. And so does Bridget, apparently. Yes, indeed. Okay, so we wanted to talk a little bit about the ways in which the film differs from the short story and the ways that it's similar to the short story. And when we were thinking about this, well, particularly when I was thinking about it because I read the short story too, a couple things stuck out to me, and Bridget can attest to this as well. The differences and the similarities were found in the character, the character behavior, the character development, and how the story developed around all of that. Do you concur? Oh, yes, definitely. Okay. So, in the short story... We have a man of superstition. Mm. And frankly, he's kind of a loser too, but we'll get into that. And then in the film, we have a man of science who is a, a constable. Oh, yes. A constable, right? I mean, you could see it all throughout the beginning as he denied this horseman. Right, absolutely. He was totally, totally, totally totally not a fan of the superstitious element of a horseman, a dead horseman, which comes into play later when he's sitting on a bed, terrified. I saw a horseman. Dead. <laughs> oh, and, and that particular scene, you can see it, he almost thinks that it's so, it, the fact that there was a horseman is so strange to him, he believes that they don't believe that he saw the horseman, even though they said you said it perfectly, Bridget. You said it perfectly. <laughs> so, I touched on this with the constable part. In the short story, we have a teacher. And this teacher is um, lame, I can say. Uh, I don't mean to call teachers lame, but uh, he's awkward. And there's nothing wrong with being awkward, but this is a guy who has a beautiful voice, no discredit to him, um, but he uses that voice to try and infatuate girls, but when girls pay any sort of attention to him, he freaks out and runs away. So we have a teacher who is a loser, in other words, and then in the film, we have this sophisticated constable who believes in nothing but science 
And despite his mother's fascination, his late mother's fascination with the supernatural world, it just, it doesn't hit home with him. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost as if his past created this denial in him that yeah. can't, or this this almost refusal to involve himself in anything magical. Right, exactly. And a lot of that has to do with his childhood trauma. I mean, you have this very Puritan father who opposes anything of the supernatural nature and this mother who's incredibly free-spirited. Again, this is in the film, not in the mm. short story. And, you know, this little child witnesses his father abusing his mother and, you know, we can kind of assume that his father murders his mother by the dreams that... Oh, he says it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, anyways, but that gets into development here and we'll get into that later. But, um, yeah, so the social standing and occupation is different in the film and in the short story. I mean, on one side we have a constable and on the other side we have a teacher. And so getting into behavior, both characters exhibit a form of awkwardness and cowardice. And I guess we can talk about the film first, if that's okay with you, Bridget. Oh, sure. I'm, I'm definitely able to. Yeah, so bef before we, we jump into the awkwardness of the character, I think it would really benefit our viewers if they understood what kind of physicality they're dealing with here. So just to put it into perspective, this is how the short story describes our one and only Ichabod Crane, the protagonist of both the film and the short story. And I quote, To see him striding along the profile of a hill on a windy day, with his clothes bagging and fluttering about him, one might have mistaken him for the genius of famine descending upon the earth or some scarecrow eloped from a cornfield. Oh yeah, and it makes sure to focus on his lankiness. His lankiness. Strangeness. Yeah, absolutely. And if any of you viewers out there have ever seen the Disney adaptation of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, that is a more, far more realistic imagination of what our Ichabod Crane looks like. Yeah, even in spite of its cartoon format. Yeah, absolutely. But the cartoon actually makes him more alive in a way. Um, so, and then we have uh, Johnny Depp who plays um, Constable Crane in the film and we all know what Johnny Depp looks like. So anyways, we have that, that's what we're dealing with here. And so this awkwardness element is an interesting characteristic that is reimagined in the film. So, do you want to talk a little bit about his awkwardness? Oh, sure. In the film. In, in the film, it seems he has a very, it's a very strange portrayal. He, I, the, the moment I'm thinking of off the top of my head is when, again, in the room, when he's talking about them about the Headless Horseman, and he whispers in their, he, in their ear, was beheaded. And then he whispers in their ear once more, he was beheaded. And it's just so awkward and strange to me. Yeah, and, and I feel like they they continue that throughout the movie. Oh, yeah. 
they make him, it's not what a normal person would probably, it's not very noble, it's not very sophisticated, it's more him. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and I mean, I like what you said about it's more him, because Johnny Depp does that very well, um, even in, you know, his little voice and fluctuations, where he, ah! Like that, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's or the facial the facial expressions, the body movements. You know when he gets scared, he puts somebody in front of him. The pauses, the pauses, the awkward pauses, um, his awkwardness when he walks into the party um, with Katrina Van Tassel, and he doesn't really know how to react when she kisses him on the cheek. Mm. Like, yeah, you know he's very awkward um less awkward i'd say i'd argue than the short story but nevertheless i think that the the film to or the short story to film adaptation excuse me executed that very well that awkward behavior yeah especially when trying to use a more well-known actor right absolutely and just to kind of give our audience a little bit of a taste of the awkwardness in the short story, I found a line that I wanted to share. Ichabod prided himself upon his dancing as much as upon his vocal powers. Not a limb, not a fiber about him was idle, and to have seen his loosely hung frame in full motion and clattering about the room, you would have thought St. Vitus himself, that blessed patron of the dance, was figuring before you in person. So, <laughs> well, I mean, that per that gave me a whole new, a whole new idea of this completely separate kind of awkwardness right there right it's like it's almost a linky noodle yeah he's a linky noodle he's a linky noodle and that fits his personality just as much as his de description yeah you know? absolutely it's it's a very different yeah so <laughs> anyways i guess that that awkwardness moves us into cowardice which is another character trait of um, Ichabod Crane, especially in the short story. But I guess we'll start with the movie. I mean, the first instant of cowardice is when Ichabod Crane finds out about the horseman. And even though he is a skeptic, you know, he's still terrified. And that's evident by him shaking the teacup. Yeah, you my know? favorite part. Yeah, your well, favorite part. Yeah. Me. Viewers, you know, Bridget loves the teacup scene. So go find it on YouTube. Um, and then, you know, when he he analyzes the first dead body and he's oh you could see the fear in yeah his the, face. the fear in johnny depp's face even absolutely. though he's a constable he still is kind of wigged out yeah at this. no kidding you know but he does redeem himself later but that first body i mean a beetle comes out of the neck and it just totally terrifies him oh and we we can't deny the most contributing to both the cowardice of him and the humor and one of those is his excessive fainting. His I think he probably fainting. fainted about five times without, within that movie. And both before and after his kind of character development. And another part, putting people in front of him in the face of danger. Yeah, no kidding. So another instance, too, is when Brom Bones decides that he's going to ride the horse and pretend to be the horseman oh, yeah. just to to rattle Ichabod up a little bit. You know why? Because he was flirting with 
Brom Bones' girl, Katrina, um, you know, he gets scared on the bridge. That's really funny. Mm -hmm. And he thinks that the frogs are saying his name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um... Oh, and he faints at the end of that one. Yeah, too. he does faint at the end of that one too. And then, you know, after his first encounter with the horseman, he faints there too. I'm sorry, the cat just opened the door. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> we should have locked that. Anyways, so I mean, transitioning over to the transitioning over to the the short story. Ichabod Crane is incredibly superstitious, but he fears his own shadow. Um, he's paranoid walking home, but he'll spend hours talking about superstitious things with, you know, the widows. And, you know, then when he walks home, even fireflies scare him. No kidding. Fireflies scare him. But if there's one thing that Ichabod Crane of the short story fears the most, it's women. Mm. Can't say the same about, you know, our good Ichabod Crane there in the movie. No, yeah, you're right. You know, he has some confidence with the ladies, specifically Katrina mm. Van Tassel. But that moves us into Katrina Van Tassel. And, you know, I will say that the, the film adaptation portrayed Katrina Van Tassel very well. You know, in, in physique, in character, she's done very well. Um... I guess it's more so how Ichabod, Ichabod reacts around her, um, talks to her, that really differs between the short story and the film. I mean, for example, in the short story, doesn't even talk to her at all. Mm. He goes to a party, falls madly in love with mm. her. But I mean, this love triangle between Brom Bones, um, Katrina Van Tassel, and Ichabod Crane is a huge part of the short story. Um, and yet, Ichabod, like, never speaks to her other than giving her vocal lessons. <laughs> That's it, you know, or dancing like a lanky noodle in front of her. But, you know, that love triangle isn't really apparent in the movie. I mean, you'd say, right? Mm. I mean, Brom Bones, he dies. Mm. Sorry for spoilers. Um, I mean, it, it is, he does die fairly late into the movie. Well, not very late. But, but from the beginning, Katrina Van Tassel has no interest in him. Yeah, exactly. You know, and yet in the short story, Katrina Van Tassel marries Brom Bones. Mm. You know what I mean? And then, you know, that that brings us to Brom Bones. And Brom Bones, in both the, the short story and in the film, um, is an expert horseman, which is actually kind of interesting. I mean, you can yeah, make some, you know, ironic yeah, head cannons about that. And that's pretty funny. I guess the filmmakers played with that a little bit when uh, Brumbones chases Ichabod around pretending to be the horseman. I mean, so that's, that's the same. Um, he is described in the short story as having rough chivalry versus Ichabod's meekness. Mm. And, you know, of course, in the end of the short story, Brom Bones gets the girl. And at the end of the film, Ichabod gets the girl because Brom is dead. Yeah. I mean, what other way could I go? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie. It has to feel good at the end, you know? Otherwise, you have a whole bunch of people leaving the movie theater feeling sad. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... Of course, then that brings us to the next character. The next primary character is the Hessian Horseman. Um, the movie is is set like a murder mystery, and mm. uh, the short story is more of a a love an annoying 
love triangle mm. um and campfire legend you know and uh another interesting thing too is that the horseman doesn't have his head in the movie but he has his head in in the short story yeah and so the fact that he doesn't have his head in the movie that gives more to plot because now there's something that he wants there's, there's a motive there's a motive for his killings yeah. exactly and that even ties with more into murder mystery crime always looking for the motive to do something right they connect that too with the main antagonist right exactly and the main antagonist in the film is the stepmother and the stepmother is non-existent in the short story yeah. you know you gotta love the evil stepmothers oh yeah oh yeah you know, um, another similarity are the the landmarks. Um, I think that Tim Burton executed that incredibly well. I mean, he captured that gothic essence. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and even with the the color palette of the, the color movie. palette, yeah, absolutely. It's you know grays and dreary colors. It looks like it just rained, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, we have the famous bridge. The famous bridge is in the short story. We have the the murderous tree. However, in the short story, the tree, you know, there's some superstitious element to the tree, but you know, it's not a portal to hell. Oh yeah. Um, but the movie, you know, it's a portal to hell. We have the swamp. Um, and we have the church, except the church is a big part, a big landmark, I guess you could say, in the movie, but it kind of lacks in the short mm. story. So I guess we could say that, you know, a summary of this character um, development and character behavior is that movie Ichabod acknowledges his fears and chooses to face them anyways. Oh, yeah, and you see this whole, like, it, it's kind of like a back and forth on the on the surface level. It kind of looks like the filmmakers just disregard his cowardice. But when you see it, it seems like maybe his adrenaline kicks in. Yeah. He really has to do something, and he will. Right. Exactly. You know, and that gives way to this beautiful character development that we have in the movie that keeps the audience engaged. Mm. And, I mean, that's lacking in the short story. I mean, he's a coward all the way through. Mm. You know, at the end, you know, the horseman chases him. It's a pretty tedious chase scene, if I can say. And, you know, he falls off his horse, which, by the way, Gunpowder the Horse, okay, is a noble steed in the movie. <laughs> but in the short story, he's a, a run-down plow horse <laughs> that is, like, missing an eye, can barely walk, and so during the chase scene, Ichabod is literally <laughs> slapping the horse, trying trying to get the horse to move. And the horse ends up, like, bucking him off. And then the horseman gets him, you know, allegedly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but movie Ichabod, he goes after the horseman. He proves himself despite his flaws. Even though he runs from it just yeah. as many times as he tries to find it. Very true. And he gets the girl at the end, yeah. you know? But he there's development he stands up and he faces his fears you know while acknowledging them yeah and that's admirable that's redeemable and of course also in the movie there's that double conflict kind of thing where they think they solved it and they don't like how it's solved but there's like that comeback yeah absolutely and then you know we have short story ichabod um his curiosity ends where his fear begins mm. he does not go after the horseman and instead he runs from him he gets thrown off his horse most likely is killed or captured and and then broad bones ends up marrying his girl fun times fun fun mm. fun poor katrina 
So why do you think the filmmakers made these changes? Well, for for just broad speculation, I think they they wanted to be able to make more money on it. They think that obviously to make a movie that's going to do well in theaters, it's got to have this somewhat conventional plot 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 arc to it. You right, know? absolutely. But at the same time. Tim Burton directed it, and Tim Burton's a very good director. He oh, always does very renowned. unique things with his movies, too. And I think he wanted to keep that strange element. So he he maintained a weird character. Yeah. He maintained... He's good at that. Yeah, this weird feeling to the entire film. And I thought that was really interesting. I thought that was good. Yeah. So I guess uh, this brings us into the next question. In which media does the text work most effectively and you know I think that's up for debate I think that the text works well as a short story and it works well as a film adaptation I mean they're two very different things that you know have a similar element to them but there's humor in both of them mm. you know there's humor in the short story with this lanky noodle and then there's <laughs> humor in this very very well done film mm. but it's redeeming you yeah. know we have this coward that turns into a hero at the end yeah you know and I think that's very very you know well done so I mean like I said I think it's up for debate I think it could go both ways I think the text stands well on its own and I think the text is actually quite superior in the film yeah and also there's things you have to consider obviously film has advantages of music of pauses like effects that you can't quite get in the right. story you know that visualization yeah and that's another thing too is that the short story it spends so so much time describing the setting and the scenery it favors adjectives and lengthy descriptions of you know Ichabod's whereabouts and you know it gives more of the narrator's observations than anything I mean they say show don't tell mm -hmm. but the short story does much more of telling than it does of showing in fact it, it does pretty much all telling yeah and and in that way it can I mean a movie is made for showing and right in that way You're obviously it's it. very different right I think the fact that in the short story if they take too much time with description it might take away from some of that shock if they're trying to give a fear element to it I'm not sure what they're going for exactly but I think the movie especially midway through it had a lot of those good fear scenes yeah absolutely I mean fear was amplified mm. in the movie and I think that that was really well done because like I said earlier I mean the chase scene didn't even come until the end of the short story and it was really boring yeah I mean there was no there was no quality of Ichabod that, you know, made the reader feel something. It was just a scared guy running, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and with that, he had little purpose, besides his own life, of course. Right. But, I mean, throughout it. Right, I mean, even at the end, I'm glad that you talked about the purpose, because, I mean, really, at the end, people didn't know if he died or not. You know, there were rumors, but nobody really investigated. I mean, he was just, poof, gone. I mean, they hired a new teacher immediately. You didn't even go looking for the guy. Dang. Yeah. So, I mean, anyways, like we were talking about, I think that the movie was superior in that aspect. Um, and the movie gave way to more extensive development in both character and in the story overall. So, yeah, do you think 
you think the movie was good? I liked it. I liked it. There were some parts I'm not a huge fan of romance, so I kind of uh, <laughs> it was it was kind of cheesy, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed. Better it. than a short story, though. I, I'll, <laughs> I will admit the the short story love triangle was very annoying, and the love triangle in the movie is pretty non-existent. But I do know what you mean about the cheesy the cheesy aspect of romance. My father died. Oh no! <laughs> Wait, <laughs> it was something. Yeah. But anyways, I think that'll conclude our podcast. Thank you for joining us on our beautiful first episode of Adaptations Electric. Forgive us for any um, randomness or inconsistency. Yeah, but we appreciate you listeners out there and we're grateful for you. And uh, yeah, so thanks for joining us. Join us next week on our podcast um, talking about the face in the crowd. So, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Bye.